0: everyone, thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. From news sources to comedians, friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how can we cut through the noise? And when information overload kind of leaves us frustrated, how do we sift through it all and choose what governs our lives? Well, our leadership is passionate about this. We pray about it a lot. We're processing these things. We want to offer a resource to kind of help navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Jeff, how we doing? Over there,
1: pretty good, pretty awesome. good. Thank you.
0: It's really, really cool. What's fun about starting this podcast in uh, the fall of an election year is it seems like there's so many political things to talk about. Yeah, we
1: don't, we're not, we're not searching for subjects a lot. No, we're really not. In fact, <laughs>
0: we're, we keep putting some of them off because things keep kind of popping in. Well, here we are only uh, really functionally days away from the 2020 election, right? Um, and There's kind of this looming question out there, I think for a lot of us, which is kind of, um, we'll word it like this, Jeff, what, what do we do if the quote unquote wrong person is elected?
1: Yeah, that's great. And I love how you use air quotes on a podcast. Well,
0: we got our YouTube watchers (laughs) too. So yeah, you you know, like, (laughs) but yeah, for those of you listening on a podcast, my fingers went like this. Did you see it?
1: (laughs) Um, Here's the thing: as a Christ follower, there is no such thing as a wrong person. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think we have to get our head around this. You know, you listen to the the talk show pundits on both sides of the aisle, and they will tell you this is the most consequential election of our lifetime. The country's at stake, etc. And and there may be some truth to all that. I, I think it definitely will be consequential uh, for sure. Um, either way. But for the Christ follower, the, the Church of Jesus Christ has been the Church of Jesus Christ through oppression, through war, through famine, through uh, total chaos, the total breakdown of society, okay. uh, through abundance— Etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. We are who we are, regardless of the circumstances that are around us. And really, all you have to do is read the Old Testament. This is the idea that that there's the prophets are called out. You know, they're calling for repentance. Some of those prophets are in the middle of uh, places of great, great power. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, etc. Some of those prophets are the are the great power. Abraham, etc. Noah. Uh, some of those prophets are in the middle of times where the the people of God are deeply oppressed, Jeremiah, Ezra, et cetera, right? And so it's all through the, the gamut. And then you get to Jesus in the New Testament. He was not a person of great power or prestige or or prosperity. Neither were his followers. Neither was really the church was... Under total persecution, really, till Constantine mm-hmm. uh, made it a legal religion, and then there's there's a lot of ups and downs about that that we'll talk about here in a minute. But so we don't really um, have a dog in the fight as far as the church. So if the wrong person is being elected or is elected, then I'm like, okay, th- then we will lead people to Christ and whatever culture echoes out of that election. I remember um, a few years ago when gay marriage was legalized. Uh Big deal, big, big deal. Major, major cultural shift. Uh, A a law that we uh, generally would not agree with, right? So we would look and say we don't think that marriage is whatever you want it to be. We think it's a sacred commitment before God. So I remember coming to church that weekend. Church was packed. And uh, I remember coming to church that weekend, and everybody was staring at me. I remember, I remember uh, standing up to, to start speaking, and I said, I know why all of you are here. And there was a giggle that went through the, the crowd, like they wanted to know what I thought about gay marriage. And I said, listen, I said, here's the bottom line. Um, God defines marriage. Man doesn't. Never has. Never will. It's a sacred vow between us and God. By the way... That means it's not a legal contract. So it really doesn't matter what the government says it is or isn't. It really only matters what God says it is or isn't. You're making your vow to God. You're not making your vow to the government. A marriage license is just a tax form. Uh It's not a God approval stamp. Right? So so I said, let's not forget that. I said, secondly, we're going to be who we've always been. We are the people of God. And we love Christ, our heart, soul, mind, strength. We love our neighbors, ourselves, and we stand on God's word, regardless. This is not the first time that our government has done something immoral or wrong <laughs> or legalized it, mm-hmm. right? And so it doesn't matter to us right. what, what they do. So. Whether side of the aisle you're on as a Christ follower, if you're like hardcore, you know, for uh, the Democrats and Trump gets elected, doesn't matter to you. Your highest allegiance is to Christ and His calling on your life. If you're hardcore uh, Republican and Biden gets elected, doesn't matter to you, right? We just start playing ball in that field that our culture sets up for us, Mm -hmm. um, because our values and our truth and our mission is actually. Unchanging, so it's almost. Uh, I don't know who wrote this terrible question, because uh, <laughs> I did, but um, <clears throat> it's 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 almost. A, it's like a uh, a question that it's irrelevant in many mm-hmm. ways.
0: Yeah, we're we're um, you know when you think about who the church is, you know, I, I feel like sometimes in the midst of these strong political seasons, we can start to think of the church almost within a box of we exist within American history. And that's just, I hope, obviously not true. The church has existed for 2,000 years. Uh, People have been seeking after God for thousands and thousands of years. And we've always been called to the same tenets, the same principles of following Christ, no matter what's going on, what regime you're under, what country you live in, what century you live in. It's the same, and um, and so we have to realize that uh, we're not going to see a completely godly government in our lifetime. N-
1: no, <laughs> there's never been one. No, you know, and, and you can go all the way back to Israel, mm-hmm. David, mm, mm-hmm. Solomon. No, no. Like, there's a, not until there's a new heaven and a new earth with one righteous king. Yep. Well, we have those things, and so the the idea that that um, Things are going to get better on earth, and we will usher in Christ's return, which is a, a theological paradigm that uh-huh. many churches live in, that I, I love those churches, but I disagree with their viewpoint. My viewpoint is Christ is coming back, and people will get further and further and further away from his truth, and it indicates that it's closer to his return, uh-huh. which is maybe another episode sure, for, yeah. for another day kind yep. of a thing. So I'm like, it, it's supposed to play this way, you know that that people harden their hearts to only listen to what uh, teaching that's itching their own ears, those kind of things, and that the government is going to solve that is is huge. In fact, I think the church has to be really, really careful because I think one of the one of the most um, uh, things that has eroded the respect of the church in North America in the last 50 years is that we have surrendered our moral high ground in order to save our political status. Interesting. And so I, I would tend to disagree with that strongly. Like the idea that the church gets behind the candidate. Uh-huh. And we throw the weight of the church of Jesus Christ behind that candidate in the name of Jesus Christ behind that candidate is something that I think has actually hurt yeah. the cause of Christ in our country greatly. So that really, really started probably with um, Nixon. And so Nixon would have been like in the, in the late 50s or in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, you've got, like, Billy Graham, who I love and respect, got behind him. Jerry Falwell, the moral majority, got behind him. And they, we put the weight of the church behind Nixon. Well, Nixon blew up. Uh-huh. Uh, then it was funny. Carter came. <clears throat> Ford was in there for a minute. Then Carter came. Carter is maybe the the most Christ-centered president we've had in a long time. Sure, yeah. But nobody, the Christians didn't like his politic, especially with the government. So we lambasted him, threw him out. Well then you got Reagan. Well, what are the Reagan scandals? Uh-huh. Right, Iran-Contra, et cetera, et cetera. Reagan out, Bush won in. Then you got Clinton in. Well, what are the Clinton scandals? And when Clinton went into scandals, kind of the left wing of Christian went toward him, the Tony Campola's of the world, uh-huh. right? One the Clinton scandals. Clinton's out, Bush is in, and he's a Christ follower. Well, what are the Bush scandals, uh-huh. right? He's out, Obama's in. And the left wing, I'm like, well, what are the Obama scandals? Obama's out, Trump's in, what are the Trump scandals? And I'm like, all of these guys, first of all, they're men. Uh-huh. N- none, of the, none of these men, maybe with the exception of Carter and maybe the second Bush, maybe. Maybe, right. None of them would qualify to lead a small group at a church. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we're talking about here. Just, and I don't—you could put in their personal lives, put in their political scandals. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, and we think they're going to return the country to Christ, and we're putting and we're putting the credibility of the Church of Jesus Christ behind them. Like we, we have to stop that mm-hmm. because when we do that we surrender the moral ground so suddenly when as a christ follower i say i am i am anti-abortion or i am i believe in the new testament marriage of of uh, of it being a spiritual bond somebody will look at me and say well you're a republican like uh, I didn't say that. Uh-huh. I said I'm a Christ follower or I really believe that we need to deal with racial equality and the racial issue. Well, you're a Democrat then? I didn't say that. Uh-huh. E- even like um yeah, I actually believe we're supposed to be stewards of God's earth. Oh, so you're a tree hugger, liberal, believe in climate change. I'm like or I just read the Bible that literally says that. Right. <laughs> right? So there's probably some kind of balance in the whole thing. But we we've so attached ourselves there that we we don't stand apart. So that when we do give voice to moral issues, our voice is automatically politicized. And I think the church, as a whole, has allowed ourselves to be used by that in that way with politicians on both sides. Mm-hmm. It, it's equal uh, equal opportunity offenders with it, mm-hmm. and and um, and that's. Why, part of why we would get so vested in who wins. If, we're, if we look and say our citizenship is in heaven and my North American citizenship is a secondary consideration for me, right? Then it's different. <clears throat> I'm a, I love passionately my children and therefore I'm passionate about whatever they're involved with. Ohio State football is a secondary consideration for me. Uh So if my kids are going to – if my kids play in a football game or I get invited to the Ohio State-Michigan game, that's not a decision for me. I'm going to go watch my own kid play football. Uh See how that works? Yep. And so we don't surrender that right to to the things around us so
0: yeah there's higher allegiances to the things that we're even strongly opinionated about right like just because we think something fervently just because we believe in a concept a policy or dislike strongly someone's politics doesn't mean that that gets to be elevated above our allegiance to christ um and i i I think that's so helpful honestly Jeff, that, that mentality is what helps keep my stress down during these seasons. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I see people getting physically worked up. You know, it's almost like the the memes that you see of the presidents when they went into office and when they came out of office. Oh, those you poor that, guys. You know, well, I feel like sometimes we do that to yeah. ourselves. You know, we work ourselves up in these frenzies as if um, this is the eternal election. Yeah, and this election is going to change eternity.
1: No, it's not. Yeah, guys, I I would honestly, once you've been thoughtful and investigated and made a decision, I'd turn it off. Mm. <clears throat> I really would because it all it is, if you if you sit and watch, it, it, when I go to a Browns game once in a while and I watch one drunk Browns fan argue with a fan from the opposing team, that stresses me out. <laughs> yep. Right. And, the, and so I, that's what I see. And it, it literally, every news show, every panel, they literally set it up to create the argument. Yep. And so it creates anxiety and angst and anger. Well, my decision might have been made six months ago uh-huh. because of that candidate's stance on whatever. <clears throat> and the, we'll tend to assign that to the presidential ones, especially. I'm like, do you even know the name of the judge that's running in Summit County mm-hmm. and what they stand for? That's probably the one that's going to mess up your life. More. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So,
0: And if our only and if our only uh, motivation to check off those names is, oh, I saw that yard sign. Yeah. I guess I recognize that name. Yeah. That's, that, that's a pretty weighty pen stroke <laughs> to not know what's going on.
1: Yeah, and I think what happens in that is we start – parroting the arguments we watch uh-huh. instead of journeying with the people that we're interacting with. So we, we become parroters instead of persuaders, uh-huh. and we're to be persuaders for the gospel is what we're looking for.
0: Now, Jeff, I'm going to say something that our listeners and our viewers are going to go, ooh, that's that's good. And they're going to go, Joe, thank you for saying that. But i want to set the record straight right now. I'm quoting you. So <laughs> you have said before, we're not called to save a country. We're called to build a kingdom. That's right. And so now I, I think this has been a great dialogue so far on like what's our mindset going into the election and what happens afterward. But like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, like if if – I'll use the air quotes again for those of you listening, like if the wrong person gets elected, not just what do we think, not just what's gonna to happen to our country, but what do, how do we start interacting with people? Like what do we do if that happens?
1: We, we are not called to save a country, we're called to build a kingdom. And so theoretically and ideally, we do the exact same thing we did the day before. You know, if I'm giving my life to building the kingdom, loving Christ with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving my neighbor as myself, what changed? Right. Right. Even when persecution comes, and I, I want you to know that I said the word win. Mm-hmm. So even when persecution comes, um, I'm still called to that same thing. right? So it, it, it doesn't really matter what happens. And <clears throat> the church, what the church would be best doing is if we held politics as a secondary concern— investigate we've talked about this in past episodes uh-huh, investigate uh-huh. it be informed all those kind of things go and make your vote right it's a secondary concern but what we gave ourselves to was was the work of the kingdom i i think a lot of times christians want our culture to do what the kingdom is to do so we want our culture to deal with the poor we want our culture to deal with societal problems we want our culture to deal with racial injustice and we're like, yeah, we should elect somebody to fix that. Well, Definitely. it will never work. No. There, there's a reason why those platforms and those accusations have been the same for 75 years. Right? They, they literally never change because, because they're not looking for a solution. They're looking for an accusation. The kingdom does something different. We're, we're not looking for solutions per se because solutions to those things will never be found until Christ returns because those things are rooted in sin. They're not rooted in structures. Uh-huh. So what we do is we represent the heart and the mind of Christ. So when I work at like racial injustice as an example, as I work on that and I try to build friendships and I try to— uh, you know the, these talks we're doing with Bishop Johnson and Kent Boyd and Tim Armstrong and myself—one city talks, which is another uh, thing that you can watch and listen to. But we're we're sitting down as four pastors saying, "How can we help our flocks understand how to know and love other individuals?" We're not looking and saying, "How do we run up a candidate that puts in structural solutions?" I don't think they exist. Oh. I think we can fix some structures and there are structures that are broken. I don't want to be misunderstood, but you're not going to knock out racism with a new system. No. Because it comes from the heart, right? So the kingdom work is what we give ourselves to regardless. And and our culture is it's godless. It's 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 the world, is what the Bible calls it. It's not defined and directed by Jesus. It's the systems, attitudes, thoughts, and actions that are not defined and directed by Jesus. So it's the world. So the world cannot bring about Christlikeness. It has no Christ in it. Yeah. Our job as salt and light is to be a different element in that structure. And so when, when we're doing that work, it brings light to that darkness. It can even bring conviction and correction. Think Martin Luther King, Dr. Uh-huh. King. Right. So it can bring conviction and correction, but it's the hearts of men and women that, that have to change in that process. So we, I even heard a pastor recently, I'll say his name because I don't, uh, uh, because I, I think people need to be careful of his teachings, but T.D. Jakes was talking on a panel with Paula White. You, got, you can Google this clip somewhere if you want to. And he actually said, "He goes, I don't think the church should take care of the poor." Whoa. He said, "the the government takes that. That's our tithe, the government takes our tithe to the poor, and does it." So I don't, I don't even think we have to. It's not the church's responsibility to take care of the poor, right?
0: Well, if you ever want to interview me on that topic, I got lot <laughs> to say. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> and, and I'm like, wow. But but see that that is he's lost a kingdom perspective. He's like, well, that's the government's job. I'm like, no. The government can put food stamps in somebody's hand. It can create a system. The government cannot solve poverty because poverty is a lack of access to hope. It's not a lack of access to food, Uh right? That's why most impoverished people, uh, many impoverished people in North America are overweight. Uh Plenty of food. What they don't have is hope. They don't have connection. They don't have wisdom. They don't have direction. They don't have... Uh, they don't have mentorship, they don't have the gospel, uh-huh. right? But that, T.D. Jakes kind of said out loud, I think, what a lot of us feel uh-huh. is like, well, we send a maid, well, the UN's going to go there. Well, I'm, and the church is the hope of the world, and and the kingdom is the cause of the church. Uh-huh. And that that's never surrendered. And when we overdo the politics stuff, when I'm sitting there arguing with you about whether one sinner— is a better president than another sinner, <laughs> and then I try to share the hope of Jesus with you. I I've shot my bullet. Yep. And it and it's a it's it's literally Jesus would say pearls before swine. It's a, it's a dumb argument.
0: Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where we burned bridges as opposed to extending yep. them. Yeah, that's so good. I as I'm listening to you, Jeff, and uh, you know what changes. What I'm hearing is it's it's the opportunity to. Uh, serve and share the hope of Christ within that new context. So half of the country is going to be politically very disappointed the day after the election, which means instead of cheering and gloating and political strong-arming and all that kind of stuff, that means there's a whole group of people that are going to need uh, interacted with prayerfully, lovingly, gently as we continue to point them toward Jesus and a real hope.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and and ideally, this is what I would say— I don't want us to learn to be good winners or good losers. I want us to learn to be kingdom builders. Mm -hmm. So ideally, when my guy wins or my guy loses, my relationship with you is unaltered. You may not even know who my guy is because it's not that important. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. So, so good. These are great ways to... learn about who we are, how we can grow, uh, ways that we certainly can learn how to be a better uh, body of Christ, a better expression of who Jesus is today. Um, And these are things that, you know, if you're like, okay, wait a minute, no-brainer moments, how to serve, how to love, how to have these conversations, how do I build the kingdom, these might be questions that are swirling around in your head. And you can do a couple of different things. One, um, you can submit a question at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages, and we can address that if you'd like um, in the coming weeks. But you can also just dive into uh, the church. Certainly, if you're in the area and you are able to connect with us at Grace, we'd love to help uh, walk you through that and help you grow in what those things mean. Uh, but we would love for you to begin to explore those types of contexts. Jesus has something much greater for us than simply politics. Feel free to subscribe it. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to our channels, follow us, send us direct messages. We always have a team uh, there available to talk, to pray, to interact uh, at any time. And you can always join us on the weekend as well, whether it's in person, if you're in the Akron area or online. Thanks for uh, jumping jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you next time. Buenos dias. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You literally just used all the Spanish I know.
0: (laughs) Hola. Hola. Burrito. Como estás? Uh,
1: (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I learned it in high school. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I know baño, agua. Baño. No, you don't. Because it's baño. See?
0: I don't know any of it.
1: Baño? Baño. There it is. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Which is funny because you're also... I always also, have Heidi with me. You know She's... what is hilarious about that, Jeff, is you're known for how you say toilet. Yeah, I say and so you toilet, toilet bad in two
1: languages. <laughs>